Hello everyone and welcome to what I'm pretty sure my co-host will tell you is the worst episode yet of the Kent Only podcast. I'm John Phipps, as always, and on the line now is a man who didn't even manage any niceties when he sent me the interview that you're going to hear shortly. Matt Gerrard, I probably have a fairly good idea, but um, how are you? Not bad, not bad. I didn't have the greatest day yesterday. I had a puncture in my tyre and just various things and um, then football ruined the day. But basically I've been on this earth a long time now. Football's ruined many a day and it will continue to ruin many a day. But that's why I love it. And the sun is shining, so there you go. And I got my beach hat for the summer, so, you know, I can't be, never get too high, never get too low. But yeah, I've been better. Well, funny you mentioned the sun. It's absolutely boiling here. And I, on my little drive round from my office to where I'm recording the show today, so loads of people sat in a beer garden. And I thought, Do you know what? That's the, that's the way to spend your lunchtime rather than talking to a devastated man about Dover's failures. Well, failures, disappointments, but you know, we'll have a bit of a laugh. Anyway, I found a bit of fact this weekend, which, which some people probably might not find that interesting. But when I went to Maidenhead, do you know who Maidenhead's MP is? Uh, Theresa May. Correct. I spoke to our local vicar, long story, the weekend. Right. Got on to Theresa May. The vicar who married me 10, 11 years ago, coming up now, is now Theresa May's vicar. Wow. So, Wow, what a story that is. If you come to a dinner party, I'll be rolling that bad boy one out. How interesting is that, John? Um, do you want the honest answer or do you want me to lie? Honest. Not very. <laughs> I thought it was quite interesting. When I told my mum this, she was impressed, so there you go. Oh, well, that's all right like then. May, not, I like Theresa May, or I'm not telling my political uh, uh, allegiances here, but I thought, oh, the vicar who married me now speaks to Theresa May, so there you go. I'd much prefer... Our new vicar, Big Phil. So, shout out to Big Phil. You won't be listening to this. With respect to Big Phil out there. Oh, I should say that I've actually been in the same back garden as Theresa May. Her back garden, I, I hasten to add. And I was invited. I didn't just help myself in there. So, uh, last summer, I, was, I spent a bit of time at, at 10 Downing Street's garden. And if you're ever wondering, that you look at your back garden, look at the grass and think it's not the best. Well, don't worry, because I can assure you that Theresa May has the same problem. She also had the same slate that we've got. So, that's as interesting as Matt's, Matt Gerrard's vicar being, the, being her vicar, so, so I reckon. I get invited to Theresa May's garden for a garden party, not that I expect to, unless this podcast goes viral and, and she invites us, I could bring up the vicar story there and we'd have something in common, wait, see? Well, exactly. Man of the people, Matt Gerard. Exactly. I, I'd written down, is there any TV that can cheer you up at all, Matt? But you, you seem quite chipper, which, uh, uh, you know, the, the bridge is back next month, I hear. I've watched Series 3. Uh, again, magnificent programme. Um, no, there's nothing, to be honest, there's nothing on the telly at the moment that's um, really just, well, I quite like Homeland, if you're into that, if you have to catch up with the previous seven series, so... If you haven't started watching that, you probably don't want to start. Uh, I want to see Peter Rabbit last week. Not as good as Paddington 2. So, um, on that score, uh, no, that's about it, really. So, I need, to, I need a new television programme. So, if anybody's got any... Um, as, I, as I don't expect to be busy after the 28th of April, <laughs> I need some new television programmes to get, get, get excited about, to be honest. Uh, I, I'm going to put a recommendation out there. And it's been, not been on for a while, but there's a programme called This Is Us. It's an American programme. It was on last year, um, sort of December time. It started December 2016 and ran. And it's like a proper American show. But the, the first series was absolutely out of this world. And I'm still waiting for the second series to appear on Channel 4. Um, I don't know. I think you can watch it on Amazon Prime if you've got that. But this is us. I can't say too much about it. But the first episode is absolutely magnificent. 
Uh, unfortunately, I've got the rival to Amazon Prime. I'm, I'm a Netflix man, which I've been watching Friends, going back over that and reminiscing over how much I love Courtney Cox over these years. Excellent. Well, we'll move on and talk about some football now as we're four minutes into the podcast. It's our 38th episode this week, uh, which is the number of games there are for each team in the Southern Counties East League this season, which just goes to show that we've recorded an episode more frequently than any of those teams have managed to play league games. But we're not going to start there. We'd better start at the top of the pyramid, where there's been another good week for Ebsfleet United. We've continued their playoff push with two away wins. Two goals were enough to earn six crucial points for Dale McMahon's men. Dean Rance struck to earn the points at Barrow and then on Tuesday night, a late Kenny Clark goal saw off Eastley. That's put Fleet up into the last of the playoff spots and they've got a game in hand on all but one of the teams above them. So they may even now be dreaming of a home tie at the first stage or perhaps even grabbing third spot and going straight through to the semi-final. They host fourth place Sutton United, who are in stinking form on Saturday for a long trip to Gateshead on Tuesday night. And I know, Matt, given everything that's gone on this week, it's hard for you to hear, but Ebsfleet have hit form at just the right time, haven't they? Fair, fair play to them. Um, I have to say that I was worried about those two away games. Eastley, I saw them a couple of weeks ago, Eastley basically ruined Dover's bubble and I thought maybe they could, Andy Hessenthaler, do, do it again. But the reports I got, they got a fantastic result. And looking back at Ebsfleet, all that snow and cold weather in February and March has probably done an absolute favour because they played like two games in like 37 days. It's probably invigorated the squad, got them a little bit fresher. And at the moment, I think they're shooting for the playoffs. If they can beat Sutton, they're going to go ahead of Sutton, which could put them up to fourth. Home tie there. Again. And also, you've got to think about it, they know how the playoff system works. They've had the heartache a couple of times and they've had the, you know, when they beat Chelmsford down to 10 men this time last year. So who would deny them the chance that Ebsfleet could be playing Football League football next season? They're the form side going in. Nobody would want to play them. So maximum respect to Darren McMahon, what a job he's done. But I think if you asked him, I reckon that February and March time, when they weren't playing, it probably invigorated the squad. A little bit more work on the training ground. It's probably done an absolute favour. But fair play to them. They've got into the position. They've won games. They haven't faltered. They've shown excellent form. And at the moment, I expected one Kent side to be in the playoffs. Unfortunately, it's not the one I wanted. No, I think it is a good point as well. You know, I agree with you now. I mean, even though you may look at the league table and see they're in the last of playoffs, what I think they're assuming now with, with that game in hand as well. And I just, you know, you kind of look at it and you think, well... It, it's it's really good for them, and they've got players who know about the playoffs as well. You know, Danny Kedwell scored the goal that took AFC Wimbledon into the league a few years back. You know, so they're gonna have, as you say, they've got the experience, they've had the highs, they've had the lows of the playoffs. They'll go into there, they'll have absolutely nothing to fear. Their tails are up, and whoever gets them in the semi final or whatever stage they they end up entering in will be in for a tough game, won't they? I think absolutely. Well, of all the sides um, coming in. Maybe not filed, but I think they can beat everybody. And then they, I think Tramway goes straight to the, the, the semi-final, whatever you're going to call it. I don't think they can fear anybody. Maybe Tramway and filed. I think if filed hit their round running. But the other sides, all the shots Sutton and Bournemouth are in those playoffs at the moment. I think Ebsley have got a great chance to beat them. So it could be another Kent side at Wembley uh, uh, um, come May. And maybe it's a, it's a nice turning of the circle. The problem is that Ebsley have 10 years after they've been at Wembley again. Can they get there again? Uh, at the moment, I can't see why not, to be honest. No, indeed. It was also a good week for Bromley, whose slim playoff hopes are still alive after they too racked up six points this week, winning 2-0 at Woking, then 3-1 at home to Dagenham and Redbridge. 
They're still four points behind Fleet. And with just three games left, that's going to be tough to make up, I fear. Um, let's stay upbeat for about another minute or so and talk about Maidstone United very quickly. I said last week I thought they would beat Fylde, and, and so it proved with a 1-0 win. Results elsewhere and Woking's goal difference mean that a point will, will do it for the Stones, I would say, from here. Um, I thought I heard a funny noise just before 5pm on Saturday, and I assume it was the entire Gallagher Stadium sighing with relief, Matt. Yeah, I think that the celebration, somebody I know went to the game and said that they celebrated like they'd won the league, but that's what it means after the long, hard season. It's been a disappointing season for them. Yeah, I, I can't see one point. Better seven better goal difference than Woking. Um, I'm not too disappointed if Woking get relegated. I'll go on to that next week. Um, yeah, it's been interesting. It'll be interesting what they do in the summer now. What players they've got. And used a few lone players in. Blair Turgett scored a good goal. Jay Saunders will be pulling his hair out. You think about it. They do well against the bigger sides. It's the lower sides around them. They've struggled a bit. And maybe two games to go as well. Chester and Halifax. There's no reason why they can't end the season with maybe three wins on the spin, and that brings you that impetus to go again next season. Well, indeed. So we've discussed five games so far and five Kent wins, which brings us on to Dover Athletic. A late loss at Maidenhead on Saturday, followed by a 1-0 reverse home to Tramway on Tuesday night, has left Matt and those associated with Dover pretty downbeat. Before Matt has his say, here he is talking to goalkeeper Mitch Walker. It looks like the promotion dream's over. Yeah, um, I don't know how the results went today. I haven't looked yet, but uh, obviously... I think if we would have won tonight, it would have uh, kept our dreams. Absolutely won, so they've gone above. Yep. Okay. Um, I know mathematically it's, it's not done yet, um, and we'll be doing everything we can on, when, uh, on Saturday sorry, to win. Um, and, and you never know what will happen. But yeah, it, it does look as though the odds are stacked against us now, but you never know. You never know. Can you see the reason why it's the last sort of three to four weeks you can see the late goals? What, you know, you're so strong in the first half of the season. Is the season gone on a little bit too long? You know, do you think? Uh, no, not, I, I don't think so. I think it's just. Um, I think someone mentioned to me today the amount of points we've lost in the last five minutes of games, including injury time, has been a hell of a lot. And if we were, if we had all those points together, if we would have kept tight, um, I think it would have been about third or second. So that's definitely something we look to address. Um, and as I said, it's, it's, it's something that's happened. It's not just once or twice. It's happened quite a lot, especially in recent times. So I, I think that's probably what, if we don't get in the playoffs, we'll look back and go, ah, that's, that's the reason why. Does that play on players' minds, you know, going into late into games, you know, particularly the last, on Saturday against Maidenhead and things like that? You think, oh, we've got to be tight here and things like that? No, it's, it's, it's a different kind of uh, mindset. Sometimes we feel as though we can go on and win games and uh, other times, as you said, if, if we feel as though we've been hammered a little bit in the game, you're trying to sit back and, and defend that lead. Um, so it's, it, I think it all depends on each game. But as I said, it's, it's definitely something we need to address um, if, if we want to be going. This Is that a leadership thing or organisation? Or what would you put, put finger on it, conceding uh, late on? It's, I think it's quite a few things. I think it could be focus. I think it could be a little bit of, sort of uh, leadership, um, organisation. I think there's a lot. If the boys work very hard the way, we, the way we play. It takes a lot out of the boys. So maybe it's that case of when games are really tight and it's that little lack of uh, concentration when needed and focus. It's, it's sort of let us down. But it's, as I said, it's, it's something that we will address. And... Uh, if, if it is a little bit too late this year, then we know why. Um, what was the, what's the dressing room like in there as well now at the moment? Um, does, does it, is it, it's been down as it has been all season, the, the worst moment at the moment in time? Yeah, obviously it's, it's never good when, when you lose a game. Um, today it was tough against Tramia. I thought they were a very good side. Um, as, as I said, if, if, if we don't get in the playoffs, I don't think it's because of tonight's results. I think it's the, probably two months back 
probably from February where we've kind of stuttered a little bit. Um, I think we can kind of point out a couple of results there where we've kind of let ourselves down a little bit. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's 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 obviously everyone's disappointed, but as as we said, stranger things have happened in football, and uh, yeah, I know it's it's looking unlikely now, but you never know, you never do do know. So on a personal point of view, uh, player of the month in the league last season, that must be a very proud moment for you. Yeah, of course. Um, as I said to Jason, sort of when I spoke to him, um, it's it's definitely something that I will look look at when I'm older and go, oh yeah, I'm pleased I won that in March 2018, but. My main focus, obviously, is as the team is to try and get ourselves in the playoffs. Um, so yes, it, it, that was very nice to, to be awarded that. But as I said, um, I would swap it tomorrow. I'll swap terms them tomorrow to get in the playoffs. So yeah. It's- manager, question I asked the manager: Do you think you've overachieved this season or underachieved? Because in November, December time, you're in the top three, and now you're looking in eight, in uh, end of April, you're looking two games to go in ninth position. So yeah. overall, underachieved. Um, personally, I, I always set my sights really, really high, so I, I feel gutted to where we are at the moment. And I think all the boys and everyone does um, situate like with the club that, that they obviously feel we, we all feel absolutely gutted. Um, but I suppose in hindsight, if you look at it, maybe at the beginning of the season, a whole new team. I think I, I had a couple of people saying, "Oh, you could get relegated," and I, I knew that was never going to be a case. But to have obviously a whole new team, it, it's difficult and. Uh, there's a lot of teams below us still, um, and although you know, the expectation here with everyone in the dressing room, everyone's got very high standards. Everyone works week in, week out to try and do as best as they can out on the pitch. So yeah, it, of course it hurts when we lose. Um, but as I said, me, me personally, I, I feel as though we've under underachieved just because I've always set my sights really high. Come on then, pal, let it out. Off the, off the long run, is it? Yeah, go on. Do you know, a couple of weeks ago when I went to see Dartford and I thought Dartford were at the, the crossroads of what they're going to do, Dartford have then turned the four and, and, you know, they've won nine in ten since then, but yeah. Since, 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 yeah, so maybe that meant something with Tony Burmeton. But now Dover are at that crossroads as well. Off the field, they need to get more people through the gates. On the field, there is going to be a question mark if Chris Kinnear will be manager next season. So they've got to make a decision. Chris Kinnear has done a decent job. Problem is, and as I said to that interview with Mitch Walker, in November time, Dover were doing absolutely brilliant. We went to Lake Norwin. It's from that Lake Norwin game in November. It's all gone a bit downhill. We were top of the league and thought, I thought, oh, we'd be a definite shoe-in for the playoffs here. But we haven't taken it on from that point. They've had a few injuries, but we haven't really performed particularly well. And the football, compared to the previous seasons in the National League, has been poor. Dover have scored a lot less goals in their previous three seasons. They've conceded a lot less as well. But at the moment, it just don't look like scoring. At Maidenhead, they gave away cheap goals. They scored two goals. But again, Tranmere on on Tuesday, you know, Tranmere would just, you know, it's the old adage that I'm just holding your head, John, and you're trying to run away from me. One of them. They're just keeping Dover at bay. Dover have got absolutely no creativity in the side at the moment. You know, I mentioned my mate, uh, Adi Adebayo, is he's... I see him every week. There's not a goal in this guy. Not a goal in him. He's a willing runner, but again, he's always offside. And there's no creativity from midfield. Brundle was brilliant up to about Christmas time. He looks like shot to me. He's got no, his legs have gone. He's getting caught out of possession. Um, and then the other, the wingers, Jeffrey's decent, can get across him, but nine times out of ten, the cross goes into the crowd. And you've got the bench as well. Cadell Daniel, probably the slowest winger in the game. And he's easily matched off the ball. So, it's just frustrated. Dover have got to 
think about something here. And I think one thing I would say, maybe there's not a feel-good factor around the club that there was in December time when they're doing so well. Everybody's supporters are arguing amongst themselves. There's the Canary in, the Canary out brigade. So they've got to, got to make a decision. I, I'm not going to say if I think Chris Kinnear should stay or go, but my only concern is that, David, when they have had managers before, you know, this is a tough old division. And when you look at the side's going to be good next season, he's got even tougher maybe as well. They've got to, you know, Chris Kinnear is a safe pair of hands. What are David's priorities? Do they want to get in the Football League with the budget and where they're located and they train in the uh, um, in the evenings as well? He's just at a bit of a crossroads. I'm sure it's all going to come to a head in the first week of May, but it's just been disappointing. If Dover had been 12th all season and got on a bit of a run like Eggsley and now in night they still get in the playoffs, everybody wouldn't be complaining. It's just that good start to the season, which has tailed off badly. I think at the Orient game, we, we so Dover in about 24 games have picked up 30 points. Things like Solihull have got 40 points in that process. So you can see where it's all gone wrong. I'm about to deliver them. The, final, the, the, the ball now, I've been on a long run-up, but it's just so frustrating when you come out of it. So, Chris Kinnear mentioned a lack of experience, and maybe it is, but you know, it's just, there's no quality or pace in the squad at the moment, and maybe they're just completely knackered because he doesn't change the team, but it's just one of those things. But it could be, uh, Gates said on Saturday, results go the other way because other sides are playing each other in the final game, and they could sneak in, but... The way they're performing, there's no goals in this team, I don't think, at all. So, we just have to grin and bear it. And So, I love the National League, so we'll carry on next season. Unbelievably, he's run all that way and he's chucked down a wide as well. Would, <laughs> would, you, would you have an even? No. Um, well, I have chucked down a wide because I haven't said what my views of it all are anyway. So, um, I'm sitting on the fence at the moment. But, um, you know, if it offered me night to the start of the season, we had no players. I'd have taken your hand off. But it's just so frustrating where we were in the season it could have been but you know Dover I don't think maybe are ready to go into the Football League off the field so I've just got to work on a few things just get galvanise the club back together again and go again because there is quality in that squad whoever's managing it be Chris Neal or someone other they can get the best out of it The things I, I, I want to sort of say on that Matt I mean obviously you see Dover a lot more than I do in fact I haven't seen Dover at all this season if I'm honest but um what I do want to say is if they are going to make a decision, the most important thing is, is that they make that decision quickly. And does it really do the club any good to keep going through this short-term, one-year contract cycle? You know, how many of this current squad are already signed up for next year? Are they all still playing for their futures? I don't think that helps, and it doesn't help breed loyalty towards the club. You know, we I think, obviously, the days of people coming and playing... 500 games for the same team and, you know, being the local heroes, your Tim Dixon's example like that, are long gone. But, you know, you want to build that little bit of loyalty rather than it just being, oh, we're here for a year, see if we can get promoted. If not, we'll move on. You know, I think that Dover do struggle from that point of view. And obviously, you know, you can look at Maidstone and say, well, they brought some players through with them and they've had a tough season. But they know what it means to be a Maidstone United player. And I'm not 100% sure that some of these Dover players appreciate that that much. Well, you make a good point. Chris Kinnear did make this point that that is an issue. But you look at Ebbsfleet, majority of that side have come up with them, haven't they, the last couple of years? Um, Tranmere last night, a lot of the players from that. Dover, there's, I think there's four players who are contracted for next season. For me personally, I'm, I'm coming off the fence there. I'd probably only keep seven or eight of the current squad if they're not going to get into the playoffs. But this is the problem that you're going to, as you say, the cycle of year contract, maybe get better offers because some of the Dover players will 
move on to better teams, I'm sure. And, and then you start again. It, it would be Chris Kinnear, when he was in his first spell, which I said, say, with Timmy Dixon and people like that inside, he had a solid, solid side. He built the team up uh, uh, from that point of view. Again, maybe that's not the way. And David can't afford to give out long-time contracts to players because of budgeted reasons. But, yeah, it's just maybe you've you put a spot on that. And again, there was a sort of, the beginning of the season, a link, I think, between the supporters and the fans. And maybe that's it's gone a little bit as well. That because there is a little bit of infighting that Kinnear should go and should stay. So, yeah, it's, it, you know, it's, you know, I feel like I've again mentioned last week a Premier League stop. It's just disappointing. I I love the National League and I didn't expect Dover. The Dover are doing better than probably if we listen to episode two of the pod where I predicted Dover to finish. He's probably a lot less than nine. So I should be saying, well, they've had a good season. But it's just the way they started. They should have kicked on. And at one stage of the season, I thought if we had Ricky Miller in this squad and we were beating everybody in top of the league. Maybe we could have run, won the league. So, but again, you scored 30 less goals in the season than last season. And that eventually will be the crux of the matter. They haven't got the quality in the final third. Indeed. The only other thing I can say before we move on, because we've talked a lot about Dover now, is, you know, do, do they have a bit of what I, I, I kind of call Margate syndrome in that, you know, the only time most of those players ever see Dover is on a match day, you know, and, and does that affect the link that they have with the fans? It is difficult because they train it. Um, Maystone, we're, we're at the same place that Ebbsfleet do, but that, this is the problem with Dover being on a limb, and a bit like Margate. You know, there's not the local players that, who can do it, but there needs to be a galvanisation off the field, I think, to to get everybody back. And again, the gates are, you know, pretty static on that. It's a, it's a free game this week for kids, so that the gate will will inflate a little bit. But I think if we can just get something off the pitch, get the gates up, and just galvanise everybody off the pitch. When David went into the National League, the first season, everybody was so on, the, on the same hymn sheet. Yeah, they're doing brilliant because they're enjoying it, expecting you know, expecting the struggle, but they went on a great run, got to the third round of the FA Cup, and there was that link. It just hasn't happened this season, probably because we've gone the opposite of starting well, then fading pretty badly, and at the end of the day, a lot of fans are just waiting for the season to end. And, and, and as well as absolutely doing, a lot of fans will be absolutely distraught because actually David's biggest rivals got into the playoffs. And taken over Dover's mantle as Kent's number one non-league side, which Dover have been proud to hold the last few years. Well, indeed. We've already mentioned Fleet's games this week, but Bromley hosts Borenwood on Saturday and Barrow on Tuesday. Dover home to Gateshead on Saturday and Maidstone go to relegated Chester. National League South, Danny Mills was twice the hero as, as Dartford, like Ebb's Fleet, claimed two 1-0 away wins this week. They first won at Eastbourne Borough and then at East Thurrock to move three points clear of Havant. But the Hampshire side do have a game in hand. The only criticism we can possibly level at the darts now is that they didn't stretch their goal difference advantage by much. Uh, they've got their final home game of the, sa- of the season on Saturday as they host Bath, or haven't go to inform Chelmsford on Saturday before hosting East Thurrock on Wednesday night. And, it, and it's still still all up for grabs, isn't it? But then this time next week, Darfur could actually win the league. Well, they could have won it next week. If, if, well, could have done. Depends on uh, Haven't. Yeah, the goal is only two plus in it with the game in hand on Haven't. Haven't's games are tough. Chelmsford have come up from nowhere, haven't they? They were outside the playoffs. I think they've won three or four on the spin to move in that. So it's a difficult game, particularly at Chelmsford uh, uh, as well for Haven and Waterloo. But Darford, absolute maximum respect. You know, I went on that rant about them where they seem to be um, looking either way. They clearly had a, a team meeting, ground out the result, 2-1-0 away from Holmes. Their waveform hasn't been particularly good this season, but Tony Berman will be absolutely over the moon. 
it's in their hands. They've got the, they've played the game. They've got the points, and it will be absolutely fantastic if we can get. If we might lose a, a national Kent National League side, but we're, hopefully we're going to gain one in Dartford. And 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 again, you have to give respect to the board on that because a lot of you know Tony Berman come down, missed out on the playoffs a couple of times, but he's come good, and I really hope. Stuff can finish it off from here, and, and it'll, it'll be a fantastic achievement because losing in the playoffs as they did last season, it must have hurt. Tony Berman again with a similar type. Mentioned the David thing, very similar squad as well. He hasn't really brought that many players in, but Alfie Pavey, of course, being the prime example, and he didn't even start the season with them, and uh, that seems a great bit of work. But they've always had a solid spine of the team, uh, and, and it could really work out that they will be right to the National League. It'll be tough in the National League for them, but that's where their supporters want to be and enjoy the go back to the three years they had previously. Exactly. I mean, they've got some play- two or three players in there who've played three, four hundred games for the club and that makes a massive difference, I think. You know, they, they know what it means to be a Dartford player and, and obviously there is a lot of the geographical differences because it is obviously easier for Dartford to attract those players because of where they are. But you, you, without going back onto Dover too much, you know, D- Dover didn't really, when they got into a good position, they didn't invest a bit more to maybe push, try and push on. Whereas Dartford did invest. They brought in Danny Mills. He was getting a bit of flack at the start, but he's proved his worth there, hasn't he? With two crucial goals in that title race. I've always rated Danny Mills. He struggled at Ebbsfleet at the start of the season. I Dover wanted were quite keen on him, bringing him in. He come, you know, he's bided, bided his time. One thing about Dartford, I've said, they've never had any strikers before, but they've got strikers in abundance who score goals at this level. Will they score in the next league? We'll have to wait and see, but they've got the base there. And as you said, they've got a base to go on into the next league with the players they've got. Bradbrook will give it another year. Hayes will probably give it another year. And and, and they want to right the wrongs of the previous couple of seasons when they had those two relegations and survived by default in one of the seasons. But yep, fair play to Tony Berman on, on that score. And it's it's been a, it's been a good side, success for some of our sides in that division. Well, in you know they need a bit of a miracle, I think, with three games to play. But you can see Welling very inconsistent. Maybe they can, without winning four, I think it is now, they'll, 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 they'll be stronger again next season, but maybe they'll have enough to do it this season. Well, I think I think it's all but all but over for them now after losing at Whitehawk on Saturday. Six points outside the playoffs, just three games to play. Um, but I think that they will learn so much, and Jamie Coyle, in his first season of manager, will have learned so much from this season. And he will know he, when he starts the next campaign where he wants to be, what he needs to do. They've got two home games this week, Welling um, at home to Western Supermare on Saturday and then Bath City on Tuesday night. And, and you know, he'll be frustrated, Jamie Coyle, but I think at the end of the season, he'll be able to look back and think, that's my first year done. We've done OK. Now we've got to build on it for next year. Yeah, I, I think it's been consistency has been a problem for them as well. And their home form hasn't been brilliant as well. So, again, some of it may work in their favour again if... Jamie Paul knows a few Maystone. If Maystone release a few players, a good chance he can pick them up. And if Dartford have got a few players, maybe if they do get promoted, but don't want the travelling in the league, Welling could be able to exploit that. But I expect Welling to be um, one of the sides next season, along with Hereford United, who I see have been promoted to the National League. Yeah, and I think the, the thing is as well is a lot of the, t- apart from Woking, all the other teams who are going down will be going into the north. So that does kind of make that National League South a little bit more straightforward, I would, I would suggest, next season. I'm going to move on to our second interview now, which is uh, with one of the most informed teams in the county. Sam Denley has done a brilliant job at Hightown. And now with two games to play, they know that two wins will secure them with a playoff spot. 
I caught up with Sam to discuss her excellent form and his hopes for the rest of the season. I couldn't have originally done it better, really. I've caught, you know, let's say a few months ago, it was uh, going down there for my first meeting, I think, in course, and I was a bit of uproar, and a few players, you know, a few players might be going, but listen, the boys, most of them stayed bought into what I'm about, and, and it's gone fantastically well, mate, and to, to get ourselves into the position we're in now, um, like I said, you know, I'm extremely proud, but it's most important thing is now that we you know we came and what we've done for the last two for the last few months for the remainder of the two games, and hopefully we could finish it off and, and and make sure we stay in the playoffs now. Well, things. I mean, obviously, it's, it's in your own hands now, isn't it? You know, if you win your two games, then then you've done it and you've got into the playoffs. Yep, exactly that, mate. It's um, it's been a lot of hard work to get in that position because, like you said, I think it was ten points. It might have been twelve at one point. You know, we was behind, but we've we've you know we keep winning our games, mate, and. and so many other teams above us, but all of a sudden they've, they've dropped a few points. We've kept winning, and and now we find it ourselves. You know, with two games to go, our, our destiny's in our own hands. So, um, you know, it's, it's great to be in that position. We haven't got to rely on other results going our way, um, but we've got to make sure we keep doing what we've been doing. And if we now have two more wins out of our next two games. We'll we'll make sure that we're in those playoffs. And how high is confidence? Because we've kind of said a couple of times, you know, if you go into the playoffs in a good run of form, people won't want to play. Sh- uh, won't want to play you. And you've played a lot of the teams around uh, that are in in and around there. That they're going to fear you, aren't they? I thought so. No, listen. I, 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 there's no one we fear at the moment. That's for sure. You know, we played Lewis who, who up there. We played Gray recently. We played Greenwich Borough. We beat beat all those and. Um, you know, and we've been, and it's been decent performances with those wins. So, listen, I, I, I would definitely like to think that you know we are the informed team, and I'm sure that not many teams in that in that playoff position, you know, if we stay there, are going to want to play us come come a semi final playoff. That's for sure. So East Grinstead on Saturday. I mean, I know they're they're the sort of team that people will be looking at, thinking, oh, that'll be a walkover for Hyde. But you can't take anything lightly, can you? No, no way, you know, and we won't. You know, we're we're trying well this week. Um, we'll prepare professionally. We'll make sure that everyone's. No, everyone knows their jobs and we'll be going into that game fully focused and committed and we'll be preparing, like I said, like, like it's any other game. And, you know, and I've been to East Grinstead a number of times in my career as a player and, and as a manager and never been easy game. So we, ain't, we won't take them lightly. You know, we've been, we've been excellent in our approach to games over the last couple of months and, and that will remain to Saturday's game and obviously the week after. But first and foremost, we've got a difficult game away at East Grinstead. We've got to go and get a win. I suppose, obviously, it's a team game, but Zach Hansen's been brilliant for you, hasn't he? Been outstanding, mate. He's been he's been absolutely quality, and um, you know he's he's definitely wanting to strike. He's, he's on form, scoring goals every week. He's, he's at a whole round pace, you know, being excellent. Though. He's bringing players in, he's link up, and um, yeah, he, he's been excellent, mate. They've all been excellent, but Zach's showing that he really is a true class act. The other one's going to ask you about is Chris Kinnear Jr. I mean, obviously he's been around, he knows the league, and to have a man of his experience, that's really helpful for you. Yeah, he's been he's been excellent again, mate. He's been you know they've all been excellent, but Chris has experience, he's played a good level of football. Um, he knows the game inside out, so he's uh, he's been brilliant for us in the middle. Um, he obviously missed a couple through suspension, but it was great to get him back. And yeah, another player that you know, every game he's putting in performances that are ultimately seeing us winning games. Yeah, no, another key part for, for the squad. And just finally, obviously, you've got two league games left, but you want there to be four league games, four games left this season, don't you? Definitely, that's the plan, mate. That, and that's been the goal now for, for some time. You know, we've got two left. Um, but obviously we'll be hoping that turns into four but we'll take each game as it comes you know they're, they're massive games now and, and Saturday's obviously the first of hopefully four games that are for the remainder of the season Matt we've spoken about them before but yet again what a job Sam Denley has done there and he's right they've got nothing to fear if they do get into the playoffs has he? Oh, it's phenomenal phenomenal run would he join January February time? I think it might have been, been later than that Feb- it was yeah. February time certainly yeah as you said, there were 12 points outside the playoffs. And there's no reason why they should 
get into that, but winning football matches and probably the sides that, because the top six, top five or six of that division has been pretty static for the rest of the year. But they, you know, they started losing matches probably because they're concerned that teams like Hyde are on the are on the run up to do it. They should. They're two points inside it. You said what the weekend's going. They you said in the interview they who they got this week. Yeah, they're at East Grinstead. East Grinstead. Yeah, East Grinstead have conceded 121 goals this season. Hyde are scoring goals for fun. So. You know, he was playing down a difficult game there, but that should be a game that they should be able to win, and that should, should hopefully secure them a playoff spot. But fantastic achievement. Nobody will want to play them from there. And could we have? Um, we still think only two are going up on this, don't we? I know he's saying this every week at the Devon Boston now. I'm not talking about it. <laughs> right, we'll, we'll talk about that next week because with one game to go. I want a list of all the teams that are going into this division, and we'll try and work it out. But right. could we have Crayon Hyde in the final? So Possibly. Guarantee the side up into the Devon Bostic Premier next season, which is getting a lot of, we're interested to see that because it seems like Staines and everybody's moving over if, if they don't go up so that division. So yeah. And again it, it will be good for the likes of Margate and folks and if Hyde can be in there. But I wouldn't bet against them Zach Ansel. I've seen him play for Woking. I mentioned him in the interview there. And Woking fans mentioned him Woking a few times in this podcast. Didn't really rate him, but maybe he's found his level and he's scoring goals and Chris Kinnear Jr. never let you down at Dover. Maybe that was a le- level above him but and that standard, he should be able to dominate games. And he, he's been a catalyst as well, as from what um, uh, Denley said in the interview. Yeah, and you talked about Cray there. They're at it again at the weekend. That's must eight past South Park, adding to the nine they've already hit against Ashford. They're sure of their playoff place, barring a goal difference miracle. But after that 9-1 win, they went on a poor run. So Tony Russell won't want a repeat of that. Especially as two wins might even have them still celebrating automatic promotion <laughs> on what I'm calling Abacus Saturday, which is 10 days away. <laughs> You'd be a bit gutted though. You've got 92 well, in this division. You'll get 92 points and you won't even finish in the top two. But I, I, this is a, I have to work out how many goals. There must be a, a stat somewhere. We could work out how many goals, the animal up, I suppose, have been scored in the uh, Devon Bostick South. Because that must be, out of all the division, the most goals must be scored in this. Because you've got sides scoring 80 and conceding about 80 as well. So it's a, look, I'm based, 77 goals could score, which is. In 46, 44 games, I think it's not bad, but they conceded 88 as well. So, uh, absolutely fantastic entertainment. So, if you want entertainment and you want goals, the Devon Bostick South is the way to go. Well, and South Park have conceded eight in a, twice in a couple of weeks. So, uh, who knows? Um, elsewhere in that division on Saturday, Faversham beat Horsham 3 0, Sittingbourne were 1 0 winners at Phoenix, Thamesmead Town beat Walton Casuals. Uh, VCD got a point at Molesy. Ramsgate came from 2-0 down to get a point at home to playoff-bound Corinthian Casuals. There were defeats for Ashford at home to Greenwich and Herne Bay against Guernsey. And then on Tuesday night, the Rams lost at home to new leaders Carl Shorten. Sittingbourne and Thamesmead drew 2-2 and Herne Bay were held 0-0 at Molesy. Um, on Saturday, Ashford have their penultimate chance to get an away win as they head to Chipstead. Herne Bay go to Corinthian Casuals. As you've already heard, Hyder at East Grinstead. Faversham hosts Lewis. Ramsgate go to relegated Shoreham. Sittingbourne hosts Carl Shorten. VCD are at home to Horsham, Thamesmead are at Whiteleaf, and Cray travel to place seventh place Walton Casuals, who actually may want to lose that one ahead of Abacus Saturday. Because if if Cray Wanderers get enough points, finish third in the league, then Cray uh, then and then get promoted, then Walton Casuals could sneak into the playoffs in seventh. This sport is stupid, Matt. It's a stupid game. The biggest fact from there, from what we've in the Rose Holes, how the hell was Herne Bay nil, Molesy nil? Molesy <laughs> have conceded ninety four goals. Um, Bay have conceded 88. Defence is definitely on top in that game. 
Well, indeed. Phoenix are at Guernsey on Sunday. Um, and then on Tuesday, it's Ashford's you know, last chance for that away win when they go to Molesey. Could... Eh? Well, you'd like to think so, wouldn't you? In the Bostick Premier, Margate could drop out of the playoff places tonight when Leatherhead faced Dulwich Hamlet. Steve Watts' men let a 2-0 lead slip in their 2-2 draw at Staines on Saturday, while the Tanners, typically in Grand National Week, are flying up on the rails, winning 7-0 on Monday night at Brightlandsea and are now within a point of gate with two games in hand as we record this. Leighton are also a point behind gate and they have one in hand, while Staines are five points behind with two games in hand. And to make matters worse for Steve Watts' men, if Dulwich lose their next two games... Billericay could even be crowned champions at Hartsdown Park on Saturday. And I would suggest that that could be a very, very frustrating afternoon for the Margate faithful. I think the last few seasons, teams that have come to Margate have actually won the league on the final game of the season. That must be absolutely galling for um, Margate fans. When you well, I remember us being there when, um, when Sutton won 4-0 to all but clinch it. <laughs> don't, don't you remember that one, Matt? Yeah, I remember that was that one. And the Magnet last year, didn't they? They won it when, um, as well. So, yeah. Again, what I don't understand is Leatherhead, Sammy Moore, Kent Links, they've used a player for a lot of times for ineligible player. I think it was international clearance or something. But they weren't actually deducted any points and fined £100. I, I don't really understand that. I thought they were going to lose points. From a Margate point of view, I thought I thought they won 2-0 on Saturday because I last saw the game when I was covering the game at Maidenhead. And then I checked my phone on the way home and I thought it was 2 or like, oh no. They're throwing away... Um, Leeds Margate two defeats in 21 but I think they've had about 10 draws in there which is going to absolutely kill them they're asking other teams to do them favours and you respect the likes of Leatherhead Leatherhead the, the form side they're going to get in the playoffs as well and Margate it's, it's, it's a bit like Dover brand new team brand new manager do you think they've overachieved the season or if they miss out on the playoffs a week on Saturday they've underachieved I think that you would probably say with the players they've got for that level, that they've just ever so slightly underachieved. I think at the start of the season, people were saying to me, oh, we'll be happy with the top 10. But I always had the feeling that they were aiming for those playoffs. And, you know, we've said before, this league was a bit of a free hit for them because everyone was expecting Billericay to win it. And you've got your Dulges up there. And I, But I think ultimately, when the dust settles, if, as I sadly fear it's going to be, Margate don't make the playoffs, I think they will be disappointed by that. But if they do make the playoffs, they'd have done it the hard way. Billericay, Dulwich, the next two games. This is a test. Steve Watts' management and also the players. Do they want it? Do they get the best two teams in this division? They'd respect the folks from looking at the league table. If they get six points from that, they deserve to be in the playoffs. Because they really, the knockbacks they've had of not keeping the lead, they need to do it. Basically, they've got two cup finals, Margate. Hilariously, though, they, they, they could win both those games and still not make it. And yeah. that would be a real sucker punch. Well, yeah, well, yeah. Again, you just, you're now and everything, you're just looking at your phones every evening. Leatherhead, Leatherhead got Dulwich tonight, isn't it? Yes. You probably, you probably well, they want Dulwich to win, don't they, on, on that score. So, again, their goal difference is a little bit better than Leatherhead Margate. So, yeah, all they've got to do is do their stuff on the park and show a bit of quality by maybe six points at the... If they do get in there and get these six points and get in the playoffs, how good would that confidence be going into it? You saw them against Folkestone. And you thought they were the better side against folks. So if Margate do get in the playoffs, they win these two games, maybe they won't have anything to fear. No, and, and I think the stat is, apart from Folkestone on New Year's Day, they haven't actually lost any other team who's in the playoff picture. Um, obviously, they lost to Leatherhead in the FA Cup, but I think generally they've been in decent form against the teams 
in and around them. It's just been not winning. It's just been slipping those late goals and, and not winning those games that's, that is ultimately going to cost them. Because, you know, and I suppose that's where the frustration lies in that, you know, they've been really good against the top teams, but they haven't done enough to secure by now a, a playoff place. Yeah, it's a bit like Mason, a bit like Dover, we said it before. Normally raise their games against the bigger side. It's just the, the sides at home coming to hearts down Park. Margate getting in front, but maybe not pushing the gas down a little bit to get the second goal. That would be the frustrating thing. But Steve Watt is a winner. He knows this division. He Maybe he knows how to get the results in the next two games. But you look at it, it, it compared to the previous seasons for Margate, this is better. The fans can get a little bit excited into the playoffs. They may be a little bit disappointed. But if you look at it, overachieved a little bit. I think you're probably right with the squad they've got. But maybe it will make them stronger for next season if Steve Watt can keep those players, which I think he probably can do because he's quite close to a number of those players. And of course, people like Fletcher coming back in, they've had injury problems as well. Okay. Indeed, there's no such worries for folks who I think are, are there. We'll say, well, I think they're there after uh, a mixed week. Two eight-goal thrillers in it as well. They drew 4-4 at Staines last Thursday, lost 5-3 at Dorking Wanderers on Saturday when they racked up their 100th goal of the season, but then won at Thurrock on Tuesday night. And I, I think that that's the result that pretty much secures them that, that place and, and handily because they've got Dulwich at home on Saturday as well, Folkestone. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it, it would be interesting to see what Neil Cudley does. We'll talk about the Kent Senior Cup in a moment as well. That's coming up on Tuesday. Yeah, they're, they're, they're nailed in the playoff place. I think they're, they're nailed on. They're going to get a home tie, which could well be against um, Hendon or maybe Leatherhead, who comes into that point of view. So even Margate. So, yeah, good season for folks. Absolutely fantastic season. Maybe, would you play, would you want to put down a marker? I suppose if Leatherhead, Dulles use the next two games, they lose against Leatherhead tonight and folks can beat them on uh, Saturday. Folks could go second place, which would be good for them, which could get them a, a playoff semi-final at home. And they have been uh, successful from that in playoffs at home. And Lewis lost one as well. I think they lost to Leatherhead, didn't they? They did, yeah. Okay. Yeah, a few years ago. So that's a bit of a grudge match could be coming up from, from there. But yeah, no reason why folks to carry on. 102 goals. Fantastic achievement. Yeah, Tom James was 4-1 at home to Enfield on Saturday. Then held 0-0 by Harlow on Tuesday. They will finish between 9th and 13th. Um, they go to Lowestoft on Saturday. Now, Matt, also um, this week, we had two separate people on Twitter say to me, what is it that Matt says before he says Bostick every week? And I've explained to them that it's because back when in week one of this show, I challenged you to come up with something so that we wouldn't call it the Ryman League every week. And it's a, an actor who was in Diary of a Wimpy Kid, is it? Yeah, Devon Bostick. If, 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 I've tried to find it. He's an actor who plays uh, Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Is the, Greg is Diary of the Wimpy Kid. And he's, Roderick is his brother. Sort of bullies him a little bit. And he's in his act when he, but he's an actor, and his name is Devon Bostick, and that's why we call it the Devon Bostick League. But even if, but the thing is, if you type in the Ryman League on uh, Google, other search engines are available. It still comes up uh, the uh, the right one. So Bostick, we've got too many glues, too many uh, pies in a lot of things. They sponsor so many leagues, but we call it the Devon Bostick League. So uh, maybe if we get, some, if the Scaffold gets a sponsor or other leagues get sponsored, we'll have to think of an exciting name next season as well for them. Well, exactly. Um, talking of the, of the scaffold, Seven Oaks and Wits will continue their march towards promotion from that from the Southern Counties East League. Oaks are still seven points clear after their 3-0 win at Chatham on Saturday, while Wits will keep on winning, beating promotion rivals Crover 1-0 on Thursday, Rustall 3-0 on Saturday, and Rochester by the same score on Monday night. Crover kept up the pressure with a 1-0 win on Tuesday night, 
but the top two can move further clear with wins at Lordswood and Canterbury respectively on Wednesday night. Ritz were looking for an 11th straight win when they take on Ben Smith's side. At the other end, Rochester United can be relegated on Wednesday night amid rumours that they may pull out of the Southern Counties East, uh, League altogether next year. There's a full programme on Saturday with Seven Oaks home to Sheppey, Wits will play in Beckenham, uh, the Oysters then host AFC Croydon on Monday and go to Rochester on Wednesday, while Seven Oaks at Corinthian on Tuesday. I'd expect at some point this week they can get promoted, but I really have no idea where to start with the permutations. Other than to say that Seven Oaks need 12 points from five games to guarantee the title, and I think another six points mean they can't be caught by Crowborough. We think that top two is going to be enough for promotion. So I wrote this at 11.47pm last night, so, so who knows? But if that is the case... By my calculations, if Seven Oaks win on Wednesday, they'll be able to secure promotion at home on Saturday. Is that about right, Matt? Uh, I've looked at it at 11.47. I'm still bashing my head against the, uh, my car and trying to work my tyre fix. So, uh, yeah, 11.47. Good, good, good stat making. Yeah, two wins in the next two um, will give them the title. So, and uh, we've been giving them the title every month this year, and then we backtracked a little bit. But I definitely think maybe this time next week, uh, Mickey Collins will be. Uh, um, celebrating to the hill, I think, because I think Seven Oaks will be uh, promoted to the uh, Devon Bostick South Division or whatever it's called next season. Indeed, and, uh, I must have been trying to work that out all last night. I was actually pondering whose bloody idea this podcast was in the first place, as I really could do without clouding my brain with all of this silly maths at this time of year. Well, what about next Saturday? Would I want all that information about the Northern League and who can get in on points per um, Game average or whatever it is. So, um, Abacus Saturday, you mean? Abacus Saturday, yeah, that's it. I want, I, I want that what trending, by the way. If anyone's listening, I want to see next a week on Saturday. I want to see hashtag Abacus Saturday trending somewhere because that's what that's what it is. It's a ridiculous day. Um, that's about it. But all that remains now is to preview the Kent Senior Cup final next Tuesday night, where Maidstone and Folkestone and Victor meet at the Gallagher Stadium. With a mix of ambition and stupidity, we're going to try and record the show during the second half of the final. And although we've got our reservations about the competition itself, I'm really looking forward to the final, Matt, aren't you? Yeah, I think Maystone are going to be virtually safe. I think they'll want to go out in front of their own fans to, to win a competition. I don't know when the last time Maystone won the competition. It's absolutely ridiculous why they're playing it before the end of the season. I can't see why they can't move it before pre-season. Maybe we can if we don't get chucked out for staking these views to the NFA from that point of view. Um, Folkestone, will they rest a few players because they've played a lot of games recently and with the playoffs coming up? Normally the game's held on Bank Holiday Monday, but maybe because Folkestone may be in the Devon Bostick Premier Playoffs, they can't play that game then. So yeah, it does seem to think it should be a good game. I'm sure the Maystone fans will come out. they like to see some silverware. They've been used to winning leagues, so it'd be nice to see them win a cup if they can do it. Well, I'm sure Folkestone and people like to Horst will be looking to get one against his old club, but I'm expecting an open game, expecting uh, some goals, and I'm expecting us to be an absolute great craziness when we're trying to record the pod, because we'll, I'll be going off a long run about Dover again, and we'll probably see a goal. Well, I think that's that's kind of the, the image I have, is that, you know, we're just kind of talking mid-sentence about Abacus Saturday, and then, oh, look, jo- Johan's oh, through it, oh he's, oh, he's missed, you know, that sort of thing, and so I, I hope that will uh, make for a, an interesting episode, and I should also point out that the last time um, Matt gave me a lift anyway, he got a speeding ticket on the way home, so let's hope he can behave himself behind the wheel as well. Uh, yeah, well, well, I've got to make sure I've got four tyres in my car, that's the most important thing in the next week, so, uh, well, that's a bugbear of mine, another nail in it, so, uh, another nail in Dover's coffin, and, uh, Another nail in my tongue. Definitely Dover's promotion hopes were punctured yesterday. So, uh, yeah. Basically, I can laugh about it. Can't I? Right, quickly then, who, who's going to win the Senior Cup next week? 2-1. I'm going to go for 
I think it might go to penalties. I think it's going to be 1-1 and then it's going to go to penalties. And uh, I think maybe, maybe just maybe, Folkestone might prevail in that one. Live drama on the pod. Listen, next week we might do a bit of commentary for his penalties as well. So there you go. Well, exactly, yeah. You've, um, done, you've had enough of my commentaries if you listen to the radio. You don't want to be bothered. So there you go. No, very true. Um, that's about it for this week then. Um, all that remains to say as always is thanks for everyone for listening and thanks to the people who we've spoken to for this week's show. Mitch Walker certainly sounded pleased to be chatting to you, Matt, anyway. Um, as always, you can find us on social media or on Twitter at Kent NL Podcast on Facebook at Kent Non League. Um, and if you're at the Kent Senior Cup final on Tuesday night, then by all means come and stick your head in the press box and give us some stick or tell us how terrible you think the podcast is or even give us a little bit of praise. We really don't mind. Um, but yeah, thank you to everyone for listening. Thanks to Matt for uh, being slightly more cheerful than I was expecting to. And we will speak to you all next week from the Gallagher Stadium. Thanks for listening. I sound a little bit like Victor Meltrude.